0: You are listening to The Lowest Deep, a horror story written by John Fitch, based on a screenplay by John Fitch and Mitch Smith, performed by Matthew Johnson, music by Stephen Bias. This is Episode 2. Naomi sleeps in the bottom bunk bed. A light breeze rattles the windows. She stirs, gazes at the window, darkness. She checks Rebecca's bunk, empty, grabs her cell phone, checks the time, 3 a.m. She turns on the overhead light, dials Rebecca. The call goes straight to voicemail. You know I won't check these, so text me, bye. Naomi hangs up, texts, are you okay? She wanders to the window. Silence, then a single pair of headlights passes the dorm. The campus security truck. Naomi checks her phone. Text delivered, no answer. She kills the light, slides back in bed, takes a deep breath, then... A banging sound emerges from the closet. Naomi flinches. She freezes. Now, it's more like a gentle knocking on the closed closet door. Too scared to move, She stares at it. The knocking slows. Naomi trembles, lunges for the light switch, rushes out of the room into the hallway. Naomi trembles in the dark, empty passage. She stares into the fully lit dorm room, ears ringing, heart thumping. She listens, silence. Takes a few slow, quiet steps into the room, leans toward the closet door, strains to hear, silence. Her phone vibrates. She backs into the hallway, checks the phone. Beneath her text message to Rebecca. Delivered. Read at 3 3 Naomi texts, Where are you? Mm-hmm. Delivered. From down the hall, a sharp beam of light strikes Naomi in the face. She flinches, covers her eyes. Ah! A voice from out of the darkness. Naomi, what's wrong? Fluorescence flood the hall. Olympia stands at the light switch, flashlight in her hand. Hey! It's just me. I'm sorry I startled you. Are you okay? Oh, I thought I heard something in the room, and I... That's okay. That's okay, hon. Where was it? Naomi points at the closet. The closet? Olympia strides in, grips the door open. I don't see anything strange. Does everything look all right to you in there? Olympia fires up the flashlight, sweeps the closet with a beam. Naomi peers inside. Clothes, boxes, shoes... I thought I heard a knocking. Oh, these old dorms. The plumbing and HVAC is all wacky. You're probably just not used to the sounds it makes at night yet. I wouldn't worry about it. Where's Rebecca? I tried calling and texting her just a few minutes ago. Hmm. Well, I'll check the keycard system. Maybe she came in late and she's somewhere in the building. Olympia spies Naomi's family photos on her nightstand. Oh, who's this? She points at Brian, Martha, Evelyn. Dad, stepmom, mom? Oh, no, uh dad, mom, birth mom. Aw, beautiful. Naomi notices something different about the photographs. They're darker somehow. She sinks to the bed, inspects them. Oh, Naomi, it's okay. I'm sure she's fine. God has a plan, and it's perfect. Do you want me to pray with you? Um, I'm... Olympia sits on the bed next to her, takes her hands. Dear Lord, please protect Rebecca tonight, and calm Naomi's sweet spirit. Amen. Thank you, Olympia. Olympia nods, exits. Naomi lays back, glances at the closet, the light switch, leaves the door open, the light's on pulls the blanket up over her head. In the chapel, the final bars of a hymn rumble through the tall pipes. Naomi watches as the students scramble for their assigned seats. She stares at Rebecca's empty seat. She sees Colton. He looks tired, sad. She spies Kimberly across the room. She looks terrible. On the dais, McKenzie sits alone, black suit, purple tie, The chimes ring. McKinsey strides to the podium, gazes out at the congregation. Silence. The front door of the auditorium opens. Naomi sneaks a glance over her shoulder. Two uniformed police officers enter, stand at the door. McKinsey pauses, glances down at the podium, adjusts his tie, turns, motions to Gerfried to play another one. McKinsey speaks. I have just a few brief thoughts for today on grace. Amazing grace is truly available to everyone. Now, you all see how I walk. You see me limping. I'll have this limp for the rest of my life. The mood grows heavy, the air thick. See, my father drank. Well, when he drank too much, he'd beat anyone in sight. My mother, my sister, me... The audience gasps. One night, he took it too far. Broke both legs, one knee and an ankle. With a baseball bat. Doctor said I might not ever walk again. Another gasp from the audience. Naomi feels someone staring at her. She sneaks a peek to the left. Matthew. Years later, when I got saved, I found forgiveness in my heart for my father. See? See? We are commanded to forgive and love those who do us wrong. Even those who have hurt us the most. He looks directly at Naomi for a split second, steps away from the podium. The music swells. The crowd disperses. Naomi watches McKenzie closely as he motions to the police officers. There's something different about him. His face. Naomi? Naomi turns. Olympia stares at her, motions for her to follow. Naomi leads the way across the quad. Her face is ashen. Olympia walks beside her, Kimberly and Sarah close behind. Are you feeling better today? A little. Good. I've been praying for you. I spoke with the dean, and she said that police are looking for Rebecca. What about her parents? They don't know where she is. They're working with the police. Are they going to interview Naomi? They might interview all of us. This is so weird. If she died, we should all get straight A's. What? Olympia stops, grabs Kimberly's arm. Kimberly, how could you say that? Well, that's what they do if you're roommate or hallmate. Hey, stop. Naomi is having a hard time. What is wrong with you? You've been such a jerk. Olympia yanks at Kimberly's arm. Their voices fade as Naomi walks away, alone. Olympia calls after her. Naomi! Kimberly shouts. Naomi, I'm sorry. Naomi speeds up. Matthew approaches from behind, saddles up beside her. Don't worry about her, she's a miserable person. Okay. Sorry. Naomi, right? I'm Matthew. How do you know my name? Everybody knows who you are. Especially now. Word spreads fast deucin He smiles. Naomi picks up her pace. Okay. I'm not trying to pester you. I just wanted to see if you wanted to do something sometime. Naomi stops, flabbergasted. Are you asking me out on a date? Right now? Today? No, no, no. I'm um, just a, uh, a chat with a new friend? We could all use more friends, right? I have to go. Naomi speeds off. Matthew stops. Slaps himself on the head. Mutters, Stupid! Stupid! Naomi pops open her dorm room door. Plops down her bag on the bed. Moves toward the bathroom. Stops. The drawers on Rebecca's dresser are halfway open, as is the closet door. She checks the bathroom. Her toothbrush lies in the sink. She places it in the holder. The shower curtain is pulled back. Shampoo bottles lie on the tile floor. She returns them to the shelf. Naomi opens the closet door. Someone's been through it. She searches Rebecca's desk drawers. Nothing unusual. On top of the desk, a framed photo of Rebecca and her parents. A small crack runs along the top of the glass. A small trash can, next to the dresser, catches her attention. A textbook lies on top of it. She removes the book grabs a fresh tissue from the bathroom, digs through the can. Used tissues, wadded notebook paper, and something hard, wrapped in layers of tissue. She carefully unwraps it. A used pregnancy test. She holds it up to the light. Positive. Outside, a car door slams. She peers out. A police car. Two officers and Rebecca's parents walking toward the front entrance of the dorm. She spins, scans the room, her heart races. She thumbs through all of the books on Rebecca's desk, scans Rebecca's notebooks page by page. She rips open Rebecca's laptop, the login screen. She tries a password. Nope, another. Wrong again. She closes the lid. She stares at Rebecca's dresser, breathing heavily. She whispers, I'm sorry. She rips through the top drawer, underwear, socks, Jerks open the next drawer. More clothes. Final drawer. Clothes. Okay. Naomi wraps the pregnancy test in fresh tissue, stashes it in her bag. The hallway is empty. Naomi quietly closes the dorm room door. The elevator bell echoes from down the hall. Naomi spies the door to the fire escape. A new sign has been taped on the glass. Caution. Out of order. Do not use. She glances down the other end of the hallway. The indoor exit stairs light just 10 feet away. The elevator, 25. The elevator doors slide open. Naomi dashes for the stairs, makes it just as Rebecca's parents step out of the elevator. The stairway door slams shut. The atmosphere in Taurus' classroom is heated. Naomi peeks inside. She's late. Taurus leans back on the desk. She motions Naomi in. Aaron leans forward in his desk, eyes wide. So, Dr. Torres, are you saying that the scriptures are not the inspired word of God? Naomi slides into an empty desk near the door. Aaron's face glows red. I didn't say that at all. We've been discussing how certain aspects of Christian dogma have changed over time, and... Look, this is not a challenge to your faith. I have my own faith, and I... Does God's law change or not? Well, what do you think? Of course not. Well, next week we'll start studying Reformed Covenant theology. That would be a good time to revisit this. In the meantime, we need to... A quick knock at the door. It swings open. Dr. Pitts strides in. Dr. Rice hovers behind him. I'm sorry, Dr. Torres. He scans the room. No, not at all, he spies Naomi. Uh, Naomi, can we have a minute? Naomi blanches, fumbles for her bag. Everyone stares. Moments later, a cramped administrative office. Pastor Gray, the university counselor, leans against a bookshelf. Sharply dressed, styled hair, blue eyes pop from his pale complexion. Pitts perches in a chair next to Naomi. Dr. Rice watches from behind a large desk. They all seem rushed, nervous. Pastor Gray speaks. And you've heard nothing from her at all. Pitts follows up. Not since you saw her before class yesterday, right? Naomi shakes her head. Did she act strangely? Or say anything about her plans? Uh, plans? No. Pastor Gray gazes at her, scoots his chair closer. Have you seen anything strange in the dorm room or, well, the other than the sounds from the closet? Olympia told us these old dorms, they... Pits cuts gray off, stands. Naomi, thank you. Please let us know if Rebecca contacts you and let us know as soon as possible, okay? He opens the door, gestures to Naomi. She stands. Pastor Gray watches her walk toward the exit. He speaks as she passes. Just keep your eyes on God. We're here for you anytime. Naomi wanders across the quad. Laughter springs from a group of students hanging out in front of the library. A smiling couple stride past, hand in hand. Her phone vibrates. Mom. She silences it. She stops outside the dorm, stares up at her floor, up at the sky, pauses, turns back. The chapel is dark, empty. Naomi slides into the front row. Early evening light leaks in through the windows, illuminating the organ pipes, candle holders, the altar. She bows her head, closes her eyes to pray. Can't do it. Too distracted. Opens her eyes. A deep rumbling throbs beneath the floor, Naomi glances around. She is still alone. The sound vibrates under her feet, again, louder this time, like something heavy being dragged across concrete. A quiet voice pierces the gloom. Naomi. Naomi freezes, stands, can't tell where the voice is coming from. Seems like it's all around her. Another vibration. Naomi leans slightly toward the floor, listens. A door behind the dais bangs open. Naomi jumps. Gerfried, the organist, rushes through the doorway toward the organ. He carries sheet music. He catches sight of Naomi and flinches. Hey, hello, you scared me. He glares at her. The chapel is closed. Yes, okay, I'm sorry. Naomi scoots toward the exit. Gerfried watches her. She sneaks a last peek back at him. A large red mass sprawls across his forehead. Looks new. She pushes open the heavy door. Naomi jogs toward the dorm, stumbles on some tree roots, catches herself. The organ blares from the chapel. A hymn. Holy, holy, holy. Naomi sits on the bed, trying to catch her breath. She pulls her phone out. New text. Rebecca? Please, call me. Hits send. Waits. Delivered. She raises her head. The closet door is cracked open. Something new sits behind an empty shoebox. She gently opens the closet door, looks closer. A metal cash box, the kind you see at high school basketball games, but painted black, secured by a padlock. Naomi places the box on top of her desk, shuffles through Rebecca's desk drawers. No key. She turns to Rebecca's dresser, rifles through it. No luck. She shoves the box under the bed. Heads for the bathroom. Naomi fills the sink, splashes handfuls of water on her face, takes a few deep breaths, reaches for her toothbrush. Moments later, Naomi steps into the room, moves toward the bed. She stops. Something shiny lies on top of Rebecca's desk. She turns, flicks on the desk lamp, A small silver key glimmers. Her heart pounds. She reaches for it, grabs the box, sits at her desk. She inserts the key into the padlock, unlatches the box, pulls at the lid. A gentle knock at the door. Naomi slams the box shut, locks it, shoves it under the bed, opens the door to Olympia. Hey, how are you doing? Hi, Olympia. You alright? right? I know Dr. Pitt's talked to you. Yeah, I'll feel much better when we hear something. Oh, Naomi, it's all in God's hands. It is. I was thinking about going for a walk, getting some air. Well, it's past curfew, so you'll have to wait till morning. We're going to have some popcorn and watch a movie in a minute. Want to come down? Maybe later. I have to finish up some reading. Thank you, Olympia. Olympia. Okay, come down when you're done. Olympia exits. Naomi scans the room, the ceiling. Could there be cameras in here? She closes Rebecca's open laptop, checks her phone, writes a text to Rebecca. Please be alive. She turns out all of the lights, dresses the bed so it looks like she's asleep in it, slides the box into her bag, crawls up to the door, turns the knob. The iron fire escape stairs creak and rattle as Naomi descends. The fragile railing shakes in her hand. A flurry of quick, careful steps. A six-foot jump when the stairs end, and her feet hit ground. She sprints across the empty campus, dodging streetlights, building security lights toward a fenced-in parking lot. Naomi shoves her bag into the car, clops into the driver's seat, shuts the door. Her cell phone flashlight illuminates the box, She opens it. Inside, an inscribed Dusan University hymnal, small animal bones, a snakeskin, an old-fashioned skeleton key, a small burned candle, and a folded piece of paper. Naomi carefully opens the paper. On it, a network of handwritten symbols, arrows, circles, crosses, eight-pointed stars. Headlights flash across Naomi's rear window. She clicks off her phone, closes the box, peers into the rearview mirror. A single pair of headlights sweep through the parking lot. Naomi cranks her neck to try to see the vehicle. It disappears behind a row of cars. She turns back to the box, shoves it into the bag. The sound of tires on gravel. She glances up. The vehicle is right behind her. A hulking figure emerges. She zips the bag, grabs her phone, dials one. The figure taps on the driver's side window. A huge flashlight, a face, a uniform, a badge, a big dude. Miss, you okay? Naomi rolls down the window. A wave of boozy breath smacks her in the face. The flashlight obscures her view. You a student here? Naomi answers. Yeah, yeah, I'm on my way back to the dorm. The flashlight clicks off. He gazes at her points to a Doosan University badge on his chest and a name tag. Homer Holmes, Security. You need a ride? No, um, thanks. I'll walk. Campus is closed after 11 p.m. I know. I'm sorry. I just forgot something in the car, and I'd like to walk back, get some fresh air. Go straight to the dorm, all Homer turns, slouches back toward the truck okay. Naomi takes a deep breath, opens the car door. Moments later, Naomi peeks out her dorm room window. Homer's truck idles in the drive below. She switches the overhead light off. The truck creeps away. The next morning, the dorm room door rattles. Naomi stirs, half asleep, rolls over to face the door. It pops open. Two uniformed police officers enter. I'm sorry, ma'am. We didn't know if you were here or not. Are you Naomi Arkin? What? Uh, yes. The first officer scans the room, moves toward the desks. Mind if we look a little bit? Uh, sure. Is this your roommate's desk? The second officer rifles through Rebecca's dresser. Yes, and that's her dresser. The first officer searches her desk. And the last time you saw her was on Wednesday? The second officer checks the bathroom. Yes? Did she tell you where she was going? The second officer hovers over Naomi's bed. No. Did she act distraught? No, not really. He stares down at her. Well, if you hear from her, please contact us as soon as possible. Here's my card. Naomi takes it from his hand. Okay, uh, did you need to get a statement from me? We just did unless you had something else to tell us. Naomi shakes her head, sits up in the bed. Um, are you going to take fingerprints or DNA or something? second officer snorts quietly. The first one smirks at Naomi. We have what we need. Have a good day, ma'am. The police exit, slamming the door behind them. Naomi flops back on the bed. What the the hell? Moments later, Naomi, exhausted, makes her way down the front steps of the dorm. Matthew steps out from behind a tree, a large camera around his neck, a rose in his hand, obviously picked from the university landscaping. Hey! She stops. He steps up, hands her the flower. What's this for? For you? Naomi smiles a bit, despite herself. I mean, why? I felt like I came on too strong the other day. (laughs) I'm an idiot. I just, I think you're cool. Naomi sizes him up. That's a serious camera. It's a serious photography class. That's your major? Well, yeah, no, (laughs) art. uh, This is an elective. i mostly draw, sketch, illustrator, at your service. He bows at the waist. She manages a grin. That sounds like fun. Fun is hard to come by around here. You gotta make your own sometimes. Uh Uh-huh. What class do you have right now? Western Civilization? Psh! That's a bunny class. I bet you don't even have to try. How do you know? You're smart. I can tell. How's that? I recognize one of my own tribe. I appreciate the confidence. You like pancakes? Everyone likes pancakes. Let's go get some. From the cafeteria? No thanks. Oh, no. No. I mean real pancakes from a real diner. In town? What about Western Civ? What's your grade in there right now? Uh, I got a 99 in the first quiz. What's the lecture on today? I know you already looked at the syllabus. The fall of Rome... And you probably cover that in high school AP history. (laughs) He chuckles. She shrugs. Come on, real pancakes? I'm sure you're dying for a break from campus. It's just breakfast. She gazes out at the empty campus, sighs. Two plates full of pancakes, syrup, butter, bacon on the side, coffee. Matthew digs in, like he hasn't seen food in months. Naomi, across from him, starts slowly on her small stack. Hungry? Ha! I forget to eat, and when I do remember, watch out! Naomi shakes her head, grins. A server stops by, freshens the coffee. Is it good, Matthew? Best ever! The server smiles, slides away. Are you local? They seem to know you. Statesboro! But I discovered this place freshman year. It's the only real getaway from the dew. I mean, there's like a movie theater in Wadi, but that's a 45-minute drive. Unless you want to go to popcorn Bible study or drink in the woods with the bougies or the hostages. That sounds depressing. Totally. So, I come here. Good choice. So, any news yet? Naomi shakes her head. Can we talk about something else? Absolutely. (laughs) Naomi sighs, eats her breakfast. Matthew gazes at her softly. So, you're from New Jersey? And what do your parents do? Naomi sighs again. Okay, another topic then. No, it's okay. It's my father passed away last year. Matthew puts his fork and knife down. Oh no, I'm an idiot. No, it's okay. It's okay. I'm trying to say it out loud more often. Maybe it'll help me process it. Maybe it'll make it more real. More real? It still feels like it never happened. I still can't believe it. It was very sudden, unexpected. How about your mom? She's... We're pretty close. Is that where you get your extraordinary good looks? Well, I'm adopted, so... Matthew lays his head on the table, covers it with his hands. I can't believe how bad I am at this. Naomi laughs. You're fine. You try. Aw, man. Any other siblings? Just me. Your mom is lucky, then. Naomi glances up from her plate. She still has you. That's a, you know, comfort tour, I'm sure. Naomi nods, takes a big bite of pancake. When's your next class? Naomi checks her phone, laughs. Now? <laughs> no reason to rush, then. We have one more stop. We do? He smiles, raises his hand. Check, please. A clearing in the wood. A high cliff overlooking a valley that cradles the university campus. The last of the morning mist burns off. Naomi and Matthew stand beneath a cluster of cedars. A breeze whispers through the trees. Naomi takes a deep breath. Her shoulders relax. Matthew smiles. Nice, huh? This is exactly what I needed today. He nods, grins, spies her fingering her necklace. Are you Jewish? Oh, uh, my father was. My mom converted after they married. I didn't ask about your parents. I asked about you. He points at her, makes a silly face. Naomi laughs. (laughs) It's complicated. Your relationship with God is complicated? It is for everyone, isn't it? He chuckles, shrugs. (laughs) No, I. I've never felt very connected to any particular faith. I really love studying scriptures, all of them. They're amazing. What about you? I'm not your typical Dewey, obviously. But I do feel that God called me here. And that he has a special plan for my life. That's cool. I I like to look at religion from an academic angle. You know? Why do people need it? People, huh? (laughs) Well, how about you? Have you ever had a direct spiritual experience. She sits on a nearby rock. He scoots beside her. Huh. Well, I remember my dad when his father died. I was very young, but I remember him praying and others praying with him for days. We didn't go to temple much, but these men, people he didn't even know came and stayed with him. And I remember him crying. It was the only time in my life I ever saw him cry. And there he was, with others. Weeping. Praying with these total strangers. I don't know if I've ever seen something so beautiful. It touched me in a way... I can't describe. The university chimes echo faintly across the valley. Wow. That's intense. (laughs) Ready to go? No. (laughs) We'll come back soon? Maybe. We'll see. Back in the dorm room, Naomi places Matthew's rose in a glass of water on Rebecca's desk near the window. Beneath her family photo. She closes the blinds, sits at her desk, opens a textbook, tries to read. Her eyelids drift, close. A dark two-story apartment. Dark blue morning light glows from the windows. A single bed. A male figure thrashes violently under the bedsheets. It grunts, rips off the covers, sits up, rushes to the adjoining bathroom. The overhead light floods the tiled room. Gurfried stares at himself in the mirror. His face is covered with a twisted mass of sores, clumps of red and purple. He gasps, reaches a shaky hand up to touch them, stops, something moves in the mirror in the bedroom behind him. He turns, steps carefully inside. On the other side of the bed, near the window, a shadow, blacker than black, rises. It swallows the light. Gerfried gasps, freezes. The shadow lunges for him. Gerfried screams, backs away toward the stairs. His foot catches. He trundles down, end over end, sliding to a stop on the landing. His arm snaps. Ah! The broken bone pierces the skin, he cradles it. He looks up, the shadow fills the stairway. Gerfried grunts, crawls toward the front door, opens it, finds his feet, and sprints, screaming into the dimly lit street. A speeding garbage truck smashes into him, his limp, lifeless body rolls under the tires. This concludes episode two of the Lowest Deep. Sound recording and design by Noah Hall, Cameron Phillips, Jacob Holtzclaw, and John Fitch. Additional vocal work by Cameron Phillips. Copyright 2022. All rights reserved. For more about the series, go to thelowestdeep.com.